Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit TV show Shark Tank. I'm also the inventor of the infomercial and an ass seen on TV. Dove is a special uh, entrepreneur. Uh, he does amazing podcasts, but he's also a speaker and a consultant. Hi, I'm Sal Sylvester. I'm the author of Unite, the four mindset shifts for senior leaders and founder of Coach Metrics. He's a thought leader in the field, fantastic author. He's got an amazing radio show. Hello there, my name is Brett Trapp. I'm a creative consultant living in Atlanta, Georgia. Also the creator of Blue Babies Pink. Uh, This guy has written books, has a successful podcast, uh, and is absolutely changing the game when it comes to leadership and leadership development. Hey guys, Cameron Brown here, founder of The Thriving Collective. I travel the world helping people make a greater impact. Dolph is uh, just an outstanding character, uh, high quality guy, authentic guy, uh, master on leadership. My name is Chris Stoikos, founder of thebeardclub.com. And I'd just like to say that Dove has a very, very unique approach to working with businesses. Hey, this is Derry Apjohn, Tawana Davis, AKA The Strategy Map. And if I'm gonna describe Dove in three words, it's going to be courageous, deep, and conscious. And that's exactly what you need for leadership right now. Hey guys, this is Devon Harris, original member of the Jamaican Bobstead team, three-time Olympian, author, speaker, philanthropist, he is one of the most amazing guys you'll ever meet, an amazing interviewer, but at the same time, an amazing speaker. Hi, I'm Nate Regeer, CEO and co-founding partner of Next Element Consulting, a global leadership training company specializing in conflict communication. You know, the more I get to know Dov Barron, the more I admire his authenticity, his genuine commitment to something that I share deep in my heart, which is this notion of authentic communication. I'm Jared Nichols. I'm a futurist, executive advisor, host of the NSBA podcast, The Road Ahead, and also president of the Jared Nichols Group. Dov is uh, an outstanding thought leader when it comes to leadership and the traits and the qualities of leadership that are going to be necessary to succeed in the 21st century. Hey everybody, Coach Brew here, best-selling author of Stadium Status, taking your business to the big time. If I had to describe Dov in three words, it would be expertise, genuine, and heart-centered leader. I'm John Berga, the president of Flourishing Leadership Institute, where we enable communities and organizations. He has a finger on the pulse of what the future is asking for from leaders. Hey, this is Jordan Harbinger of the Art of Charm podcast. Dov Barron is a great host with insightful perspective. He understands what makes people tick, and he can get to the heart of the matter in an entertaining and educational and informational way. Hi, I'm Joshua Miller, and I am the author of the new book, I Call Bullshit, Live Your Life, Not Somebody Else's. Dov Barron, to me, when you talk about authentic leadership and cutting through the bullshit, there's nobody I would trust to go to than Dov Barron. Hello there, I'm Mike Glauser. I've been studying entrepreneurial leadership for more than 20 years. He really knows how to teach authentic leadership and that's one of the most important things today in leading organizations. Hi there, my name is Rick Barker. I am the founder of the Music Industry Blueprint. I help people navigate the music business. He had made me aware of some things that were quite visible, but were still hidden. I'm Tom Bilyeu, co-founder of Quest Nutrition and Impact Theory. Dov is absolutely amazing. I really enjoyed my time. A, he knows the guests before they come on, which is absolutely critical. But B, this guy, most importantly, has intensity, well thought out ideas, often counterintuitive, which is what makes him great. Hi, I'm Tim Sanders, author of the book, Love is the Killer App, How to Win Business and Influence Friends. 
His perspective is laser sharp about the things that matter. Here's what I'm really curious about, destiny and fate. How does someone born in a blue collar reality go on to study in one of the most prestigious universities in England and then end up with a media company? Hmm. I'm Dolph Barron, I am the Dragonist, and I'm your host here on Curiosity Bites. To find out more about you, how you can hire me as a speaker or strategist for your organization, simply go to dovebaron.com. This episode of Curiosity Bites is also brought to you in part by MagCast, that's M-A-G-C-A-S-T. Imagine having your own industry magazine. What would that do for your authority? Well, whether you're a coach or a content expert or an emerging brand, it's hard to stand out in the crowd. So what if you had a proven way to increase both your perceived authority and your professional status in the eyes of the market all at once? Well, a way to go from being invisible to getting meetings with absolutely anyone is to find, is to find out more about MagCast. That's M-A-G-C-A-S-T dot co where the first-time publishers create thriving magazine businesses. Go to magcast.co, M-A-G-C-A-S-T dot co. All right, let me tell you a little bit about the person that you're going to be eavesdropping in on, Jeremy Ryan Slate. He's the founder and the creator of Create Your Own Brand Podcast, which studies the highest performers in the world. He's, feat he's a featured writer for Influensive and business.com. However, what you might not know about him is he studied literature at Oxford University um, and is a former champion powerlifter turned new media entrepreneur. On top of that, he's also been a guest on this show. I can't, what was it called again? No, no, it was a number one show for Fortune 500 listeners around the world. Oh yeah, the Leadership and Loyalty podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and help me welcome the blue collar obscene emphasist Mr. Jeremy Ryan Slate. <laughs> what, what is up, my man? Um, I, I don't know if you know our mutual friend, J.V. Crom went to Cambridge. So him and I, every time we, we get together, we go back and forth about his Cambridge experience and my Oxford experience. So it's, uh, it's great to be here, man, and always, always great to have some fun with you. Always great having a chat, mate. Really good. So uh, let's, let's start at the beginning, which is – what are you presently finding yourself curious about? Wow. This is Curiosity Bites. So what are you curious about? What am I curious about right now? So I am currently reading uh, a book called The Gnostic Gospels. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's about the uh, Gospels found at Nag Hammani. Yes. Uh, so I'm just kind of interested in looking into that because just anything in the world of, of religion and, and spirituality and stuff and history always interests me. So that's, that's currently what I'm reading. Um, uh, I think Elaine Pages is the author. I and mean, that's, so that's currently my she most is. interesting thing that I'm doing. She is. I read Nag Hammadi Gnostic Gospels in 1986. I was born in 87. Not to make you feel old or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I am old. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. You're allowed to. Yeah, I read those. I mean, I was obsessed with them. Yeah. Um, and also the Coptic Gospels also come out of there. Did you, well, you, the, thing, the, the thing that threw me into that is I read, um, I read a book. Oh, gosh, what the heck is it called? It's on the bookshelf over there. Um, 
crusade against the grail. Um, yes. It's about Parzival and a lot of that, those things. Yeah. Kind of that then threw me for a loop into that book. So it's just, you know, any of that stuff really grabs me. So it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you've got this, this um, you know, you've got Parzival and you've got the, you know, which, which is really the, the story of the, hero, the hero's journey, which I know you and I are both fascinated with. And, and yet its roots are in, are in history and, and mysticism and mythology, and they're all tied together. And I've always said that I don't, I don't fully believe in myth as myth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No, and it's myth happens because there's some sort of reality to it. Maybe it's not yeah. as wild as we hear it now. You know, maybe the story's been stretched a little bit, but, you know, they, a bunch of years ago, found Ilium, which is Troy. So it doesn't yes. mean the Trojan War was exactly like we, we, we read that it was because it's way more interesting that way. But in some way, shape, or form, some of these things have happened. Yeah, it's, it's really, for me, it, I just find it really fascinating that, you know, I mean, let's take something um, like Greek mythology. You know, you've got these these gods who live on mountains and then we've got these half-breed creatures and people go well yeah okay you know you see you've got the, the, the this creature that's half bull and half man or half goat and half man whatever it is right whether it's pan or whoever it might be and then i go well what if the, what if there's some truth in that and they go well that's ridiculous stuff okay okay Let, let's go that it's let's just play for a moment in this gray area and they go there is no gray area. yeah okay let's just have a look sumerian text if you look at the Sumerian text, you'll see on there diagrams of the DNA spiral that date, predate the Bible. Mm -hmm. So how do they know about the DNA and mixing of DNA, which is shown in the, in the, in the artifacts there, and you can see it, um, where there's mixing of DNA to create men mm -hmm. from the hominid. Hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you should believe any of this stuff, but at mm -hmm. least this, this is a wonderful place for curiosity. So, well, you know, I, when I, you I, read the Nag Hammadi and you start looking at the Gnostic Gospels and the Coptic Gospels and you look at the way we see religion, I mean, you and I talked about this briefly once before, that we've got this, um, this idea that the King James Bible, and I always say, well, all right, fine. If you want to believe that, it's, it's okay. I'm not against it or for it. What I am saying is, though, if I say something to you and then we go in a circle, you know, I think the game was called Telephone, Broken Telephone. Yeah. Yeah, right? And we whisper the same thing nine times. Will it come back the same? The answer is no. But what mm -hmm. if we whispered it nine times in a different language each time? Yeah. Would it come back the same? And go, of course not. Well, but that's your King James Bible. If you're if you're mixing church and state as well, like you know what I mean, like and and there's been certain civilizations that religious texts are written a certain way because if you upset the guy in charge, then you're going to be in trouble. So it's you, you also have that kind of going with the whole thing as well. Like you just you don't always know like this knowledge we're getting. Where did it come from? Like you know, so there there's so much to that, man. Right. Well, you know, you you oh, we're going to go a bit into we're going to go a lot into your history, but. Um, I want to sort of uh, ask you, you know, you said what you're really fascinated by right now is the, is the, the, the Gnostic Gospels and, and uh, all that. T tell us what's, what's sort of jumping out at you about it. Um, so I, I'm trying to remember the year here. I, I was a history major, so I'm usually good at this stuff. I believe it was 313 after the 
after the Edict of Milan, somewhere around that time period when Constantine like decided what books were going to be yep. in the Bible at that point in yep. time. And I'm, I'm always just interested to, to take a look at like, well, what ones didn't make it and why didn't they make it? So I'm, 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 for me, that was kind of the, the interest level of, of, of where that came from. That's why I ended up picking that up. And I, and I feel like it was just, it was mentioned, uh, Otto Rahn was the author now uh, of a book called Crusade Against the Grail. Um, and uh, it just really took a look at a lot of what happened in that history period and like, you know, what is the Holy Grail? What is the bloodline? What is a lot of these things? And it just, it just made me interested to take, to take a look at a lot of this stuff. And, and it just led me back to, I think there was a reference in there to, um, you know, the Edict of Milan and also what the, the uh, you know, deciding what the original canon was, because there are a bunch of, um, you know, in, in the Catholic faith, um, which is what my, my undergrad degree is in, um, there, there's a bunch of books that are called Apocrypha. And those yeah. are the books that are not included in the Bible. Um, they're not included in, in, in the canon. And you look at it and you're like, well, why? You know, what is different about them? So it's just kind of, it, it's interesting to take a look at it and, and kind of decide like, well, why isn't it there? Some of it's narrative, some of it's, you know, laws of different kinds where it didn't make sense and didn't support other things that were written. Um, and some of it's authorship, like they also don't know, like, were these written by the same people? So it's just to me, it's always interesting to go down those, those spirals or sometimes those rabbit holes and kind of see what's there. Yeah, I think that, you know, as somebody is tuning into this and thinking like, wow, this is like going off on some weird tangent. We are, this is, this one is going to be off on a weird tangent. You should know that because uh, it's one of the things that Jeremy and I discovered about each other is that we have these, these weird subjects that we're both very interested in that are not directly related to what it is that we do. I mean, you yeah. could, if you're watching this, you're seeing the, the banner behind Jeremy's head is Command Your Brand. It's a podcast brand and yet this guy is a guy who studied at Oxford and he and I are both very interested in literature and history and those kinds of things um, and you know the meeting of Antiope which is what you're talking about right with Constantine mm -hmm. and the editors I mean you know I spoke a lot about that the uh, the book of Philip and all these little books that were taken out which now we can get we couldn't get before right um, and a lot of them interestingly enough are the removal of women of power from from biblical text well mm -hmm. you know it wasn't okay for a woman to have it was, it was power. a patriarchal society man like totally it, had to fit, it had to fit the narrative yeah so okay we got to get rid of that <laughs> let's not have any of that stuff in there i mean if you think about you know the virgin mary i mean you know as this powerful force in the catholic faith you know she's not really in there much <laughs> right she's right. not really in there much and you know and she's supposedly the mother of the messiah i mean she birthed the messiahs it's fascinating isn't it i just like mm -hmm. you and i probably could go a couple of weeks just on that subject alone well and, and even a lot of the thing you have to understand too is, is a lot of stuff and that's whether it's in religion or history or whatever um isn't isn't written by the person that originally received it like even much of uh like let's take the odyssey for example right right Homer was, was, there's some sources that say he was three people. There's other sources that say he was eight people. Yes. So like there, there's no real idea on like, you know, the firsthand person of who this is coming from. We just don't know that because this was thousands of years ago. And I, and I, I think it sometimes disrupts some of these narratives. Well, I mean, and it's very interesting to me because I, I think about who do we hold in esteem today 
the, the, the language will get changed over time. I mean, for me, like um, Arthurian legend, if you look at the, the legends of Arthur, Arthurian legend, and there is now understanding, certainly in the last 50 years, that Arthur may have been a title rather than a name. And like you're saying, that you know you may have been in you may have been a king of Arthur, so you became King Arthur. Just like every king in England or every queen in England doesn't usually keep their name; they change, right? So um, Edward, who was the one who stepped down from the uh, from from being in power and allowed Elizabeth to become queen, he was going to be his name is David, but yeah. it would have been Edward. Right. So because you take on a name. And so it's the same thing with Arthurian legend. And so well, and a lot of these things are like, fascinating. And looking at word derivations, too, for example. So like so like you look at Caesar, you know, yes. uh, you know, Gaius Julius Caesar was his name. He adopts Octavian or Gaius Octavius that becomes his son, which then becomes Caesar Augustus. So Caesar is where our Russian czar comes from. It's yes. where, um, you know, the German also grabs it from Kaiser, from the same type of thing. So it's like we take these things and also adapt them to the culture we're in a lot of times, just like you're saying, and it becomes a title. It was a name. It was somebody's name. You know, uh, Caesar was the, um, was the, the, the genus name, whereas Jul the Julius was, was the actual clan he was from. Right. So I, so I think it's interesting that you actually take a, a name and that name becomes a title, just like you're saying yes. with Edward. Yeah. So maybe somebody one day will become a very famous Jeremy. Or Dolph. <laughs> the Dolph. <laughs> About 50, 150, 500, 5,000 years from now, there'll be a Jeremy or a Dolph. <laughs> <laughs> so, all, you know, I was talking about, about fate and destiny and all those kinds of things. All, all our paths sort of wind to get us to wherever we end up. And presently you are in the world of new media. Mm -hmm. and, and as I said, that's not, it's not a fairly natural path for right. where you came from. So let's just, let's start out for those who don't know. Um, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what that was like, because it couldn't be more different than being at, at Oxford. Well, it's, it's interesting, though, because I feel like I'm, I'm a lot of dichotomies in ways, right? I'm, yeah. I'm a lot of things that don't agree with each other. Ooh, uh, I know nothing about that personally. <laughs> I've experienced none of that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the guy sitting in the history class answering all the questions, yet I was a power lifter at that point in time, so it just didn't look right. Um, but to go back, I, I grew up in a small town called uh, Hamburg, New Jersey, um, and it was called Hamburg after, because it was settled largely by German immigrants, and, you know, nothing really happened there because originally it was the train hub for all of New Jersey. Um, it's only five eighths of a mile in size, but we don't use trains for transportation anymore. So most things left there. There wasn't a really, you know, big thriving community around there. And not a lot of people even, you know, went to college and stuff like that, honestly. And I'm, you know, here I'm studying abroad. So for, for me, both of my parents were very hard workers. Um, mm. they, they did not go to college, um, but my dad has been very successful being somebody that started a machine shop at the company, working hard, learning every position in that company to then becoming one of the people that actually ran that company. So he's, he's wow. really showed me a great path to hard work. Mm -hmm. so the thing is, I just don't think that that path is really open for everybody anymore because of the way the economy has changed and businesses no. and, changed and things like that. And, you know, my mom was somebody that 
had a full ride to, to NYU to uh, basically be a uh, architect and her father ended up passing away when she was 17 and she actually helped to raise her brother. So, you know, I came from a family of very, very hardworking people. So to them, you know, since they never had college, they had looked at it as like this education is so important. It's so mm -hmm. important. It's so important. And honestly, man, like I got bored in school because I, I was, I would hear the teacher say something. I'd know it like that. Like I had a very ability to like understand things quickly and I remember uh, talking to my wife about this recently. I, I was in third grade and there was a meeting or second grade and there was a meeting between my parents and the principal and the teacher. Uh, my, and, and mind you, there was no like, you know, psychologist or doctor or anybody present at this meeting. And they say, okay, so your child is way too active. We are, you know, we've put them in this talented and gifted program, which means they just gave me more work. And I was like, well, that's stupid. I'm not going to do it. Right. And... <laughs> They said he either has to get medicated or stay or, or leave. So my parents mm -hmm. said, okay, cool. We can't afford it, but he's going to go to private school. So I ended up leaving there and, you know, that really set me up for a way to, to study more of my area of interest. Um, How that's old really were you then? What's that? How old were you? I was, so this was, third grade was my first year in private school. So how old are you then? Like nine years old, 10 years old, somewhere around there, something like that. Wow. Um, yeah. So I ended up around nine or 10 years old, I ended up going to, to private school. And that's where I studied first was introduced to philosophy and, and, uh, and to uh, religion and things like that, which hadn't really been a big area of interest in my life. So I got to study a lot of interesting things because, you know, in the Catholic education system, like you study a lot of things. You don't look at a private school, man. Like you're studying a lot of like well-known authors, you're studying, a lot of, you know, older texts and things like that. So I just found this very interesting and it almost like called to me in a lot of ways. And that kind of just led me through, then I went to, to, to a Catholic university, which then said, Hey, there's this program at Oxford. And I ended up going there and studying Tolkien and Lewis and, and things like that. Uh, and I then came back and got my master's in early Roman Empire propaganda. Not a very applicable skill in the world, but it was just curiosity that led me, man. Like I studied right. different things that interested me. Yeah. And the whole time in the background, I had been a competitive powerlifter. So I'm like, you know, five foot six, 205 pounds. I look like a, you know, a, a Mack truck sitting in class and I'm the smart guy in class. So I was a bunch of like dichotomies here, man. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I, I just love the, I, I've always loved people who blur the lines, who jump in the face of something and appear mm -hmm. to be something, but they're actually something else. I mean, you know, you and I had talked about Dolph Lundgren, who was in the original Rocky movies and he played the Russian. Um, what people don't know, he, he, he is a member of Menza. I mean, mm -hmm. he is, a, he's a genius level guy, like, yeah. but played the thick head you know, you know, it's a, character. it's a character, but we, but through media, we, we, we take on these stereotypes and we say, well, that's what this person must be. And, you know, people would look at me and they'd see me as a bodybuilder and, you know, and I, you know, I'd, I'd look like it and like you, you know, like a, a brick shit house. And then they the, go, the, well, the extra person. member of NSYNC you also looked like as well. <laughs> <laughs> Different time frame, but yes, <laughs> that too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's easy to, to, to put things in these categories and not 
this is why I, this is why for me it was very important to put together this show which was about curiosity because this understanding that we have to get curious i truly believe that it is the cure for the world not more love or more communication those things are important we got to have them but until we get curious about the, our own biases and get those out of the way we we we're so narrow-minded and we write things up and we shove them in a box and so you've got this um new jersey blue collar guy who's a power lifter well he's probably thick you've got this other guy you know it, it's easy to put these in categories and then yep. go well, hold on a second and now we got another guy in glasses and a suit and tie and we go which one of these guys went to oxford which one of these guys studied um alexander the great which one of these is interested in religious philosophy you know certainly not the the muscly guy no well that's not true and i just that's what i love that's why i wanted to have the conversation with you yeah well and, and honestly too like when i put together like my college schedule like through undergrad and through grad school and things like that like i wouldn't recommend anybody like do it the way i did it but what i do is i would get the the uh like basically what was available and i was like oh that looks good that looks interesting that looks good and, and somehow i get to my senior year and they're like well one more class you can double major and if you had take requisites you could have triple majored and i was like oh wow cool but it really was just curiosity that followed me it's why i took logic it's why i took you know ethics it's why i took philosophy all these different things because it just interested me to learn how those things function so why do you think it's important for us to listen to people that we maybe disagree with that's a really great question because i actually just prefaced this recently i interviewed uh musician ted nugent on the show uh about mm -hmm. two weeks ago right. ted is a very outspoken guy some people really like him some people really don't like him and i think it's he's it, a very it, Trump guy isn't he he is yeah and i, I prefaced the interview by saying you know, some of you may agree with him, some of you may not. And we really tried not to get political in this interview, but it's really look at the standpoint of you can learn a lot by looking at people you don't agree with because Absolutely. you can understand the thought process. You can also see where maybe you have some commonalities. And I think, I think that's the interesting thing as well. I was talking to my wife about this this morning where we had a friend that had a, a certain idea and because there was this preconceived notion, she couldn't look at anything else. I was explaining to her beyond that. Cause when you have a, an opinion about a certain person, if you have that opinion, nothing else I tell you after that point is valid. So you have to be able to look at both sides of an, of an argument to be able to decide, well, not everything's an absolute. Like there are gray areas in between. And I think often that we have our biases and our certain ideas about things. So we can't have reality on what the other person's thinking or believing or whatever. We don't have to agree with it, but you have to be able to understand where they're coming from. And that's why, honestly, we have a lot of the political arguments we're having now. It's a lot of the, the disagreements we have because people refuse to look at the viewpoint of another. You don't have to agree with it, but you have to be able to look at it, man. Yeah, it's, it, um, I think that, like I said, I think that it's the cure for the world is curiosity because uh, just so many people just automatically shut down. Oh, you yeah. support Trump. I can't talk to you. Or you're 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 a, a a liberal i can't talk to you um you know or you're a this religion or that religion or that color it's like hold on a sec just all these frameworks of limitation rather than expansion we're not going to be a better human being or a better race until we get more expansive about all those things and we're going to we're going to talk more about all of that in a minute we have to take a break for a moment here and if you want to join in our conversation, then come on over to Facebook 
and just look to the Curiosity Bytes group. You can find us in there where we're having conversations about these amazing interactions. You can join in, you can talk with other conscious leaders who are also curious and find out more. Let's chat in there, let's join in, let's have these great conversations. Mm -hmm.